Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and partridges everywhere who can't tell a pear tree from a peach tree. <laughs> it's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means. Live from the Michigan State University campus, it's Tea with BBP. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BBP, international superstar and your own diva of S-L-A. And speaking of pear trees... Here's our own pair of Boskin and Jew delights, my co-hosts, Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Come on, say hi, you little pair of kids. Come on. Hallo zusammen an diesem wundervollen, etwas schneereichen Donnerstagnachmittag in Gesundheit. Michigan. Danke Gesundheit. Schön. Danke, danke. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Oh, God, Walter. That's not even, that's such a poor imitation, but it's funny. Well, I was going to imitate, but then she kept going, and I couldn't figure out which, which part I should actually try to repeat, but she just well, kept going and going and going and going. I'm like okay, the well, Energizer the Bunny. Yes, she's in it. She's, 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 she's not even caffeinated, and she's already right? like this. Like, oh, the, well, show's, the show's not even, the show's not even starting. I've had a lot of sugar oh, okay. today. Well, There's so much chocolate in our office, it's crazy. Oh, well, speaking of chocolate. Yeah. Let's welcome everyone to the first week of December. And I think of the chocolate because I think of Advent calendars, Yay! right? So welcome everybody out there to the first week of December. Walter, it's December already. That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, right? It's the holiday season. So whatever you celebrate, or if you celebrate nothing at all, we don't care. We send you good cheer as the academic term starts to wrap up for everybody. Um, I don't know what plans people have for this. We we end classes next Friday, right? I mean, we have finals. Finals end next Friday. That is correct. correct. Classes end this week and, fr yep. and finals end next week. I don't know. Do y'all have plans? You doing anything over the break? I do. Going anywhere? Yeah. What are you doing? Are you allowed to say that on the radio? What? Where are you going? Yeah. Aren't you? It's it's like you're not supposed to post on Facebook if you leave your house. Well, you already told us you were leaving. So why are you <laughs> I didn't tell you when. Yeah, I mean, it actually doesn't matter where I go. And Angelica's address, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah a bit I'll... surprised you're going. To, I thought you were going to Chad or the Sudan or something. I'm surprised you're going to Germany. <laughs> no, I'll actually be uh, skyping in next week from Germany. All right. So I well, we're both going to be skyping in next mm -hmm. week because uh, yep. I'll so be I'm going to be here all alone. Yeah. You're going to be here all by yourself. All alone. You're going to be all by yourself. <laughs> you'll be fine. Oh, Walter, you'll be swell. You'll be great. How are we going to Skype both of you? And am I going to have to have two different computers in front <laughs> of oh, me? Oh, Walter, don't. Let's not, <laughs> let's not share our technological problems with the audience out there. They don't <laughs> hear about that stuff. We'll let Daniel and the team take care of that. I'll just run the show. You guys, <laughs> yeah, we don't need you. Oh, uh, wait, I mean, no, we totally do. Need you know, to. we could just let it be tea with Walter next yeah, week, right? and you and I could yeah. just be on hiatus. Oh, I like it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I there think you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Good. tea with Walter. Done. Done deal. Walter doesn't even drink tea or we coffee. We wouldn't have anything, much but. to talk about. I don't uh, think. Of course we would. Speaking of talking about, um, what was I going to talk about? <laughs> God, I just, <laughs> you know, God, I had one of those like fleeting second thoughts to say something, and then it, it went as fast as it popped. Oh my gosh! Mm. Is this the beginning of the end, Angelica? No, this is just, just a, a minor lapse. 
It's the minor lapse. Yes. Oh gosh, it's happening. <laughs> it's it's happening. Right. Uh, right. Um, His uh, name is Walter. Walter. Right, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I know it's it happening. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, something's happening. <laughs> something's happening. Okay, so um, our topic this week is, guess what our topic is today? Our topic is, can you read that, Walter? What is I our think it has something to do with a map. It doesn't have to do with a map. <laughs> it's the Atlas Complex. Oh, the Atlas Complex. The Atlas Complex. Oh, those Greeks. I love those Greeks that gave us so much, the arts, philosophy, and of course, all these myths that have stood the test of time, you know, Sisyphus, Narcissus. Arachne, though my favorite, the one who was the weaving and turned into the spider. Mm. She's one of my favorite myths and mm, Greek stuff. Um, <gasps> do you two know who Atlas? If I gave you a quiz right now, who Atlas was, you could tell me. What's the first? <laughs> Atlas was. Finish the sentence. Atlas was. Walter, stop. Male. You, he was Googling. You guys don't know who Atlas <laughs> Not was? Not Googling. Atlas was a male. He was a male, yes. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's your turn now. You don't. <laughs> Walter, what else? He was a. Uh... Greek, Greek male god. <laughs> well, um. he wasn't really a god. I didn't he was? I mean, he was. An, he was an immortal, but he wasn't a god. He was a titan. Yeah, he was the son of Iapetus, who was one of the original titans. And um, because he engaged in the war of the titans with the Olympians, don't you guys know this? Did you not take <laughs> Western Civ one hundred and one? Oh yeah, Greek mythology? And like two hundred sure years ago. And I, oh well. So Atlas we was the son of Iapetus. Iapetus, and I forget who. Else, was it Oceanidas? No, I forget who it was. Anyway, so he was the son of Iapetus, and uh, he joined his dad and all those Titans, Kronos, and all those people in their war against Zeus and the Olympians, who of course won in the end. And so, as his punishment, Atlas was castigated to the far ends of the earth to bear the heavens upon his shoulders for all eternity. I would like to point out that Atlas was the father of Maya and the grandfather of the god Mercury. There you go. Thank you, Magister Tally. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Sam. Thanks for our listeners out there. Thank you. But ask him, am I right? That's who he was, right? Okay, so so Atlas banished for after the war. Um, he was banished to the far ends of the earth and was asked to hold or forced to hold the heavens on his shoulders for all eternity, which was quite quite a feat, which is a lot of burden. And ask me how, how how come I know so much about Greek mythology? How, how do you why do you know so much about Greek mythology? Because when I was a kid growing up in the barrio, I would escape to the library. That was my escape hmm. from my life. And at the a- tender age of six, I started reading Greek mythology. Wow! I read every kid's book on Greek huh. mythology I could find in that library, my public cool. library. I read like twenty five books on Greek mythology. And ever since then, I've always had this fascination with Greek mythology, and because it was such a contrast to my Catholic upbringing. But um, I also started working on a novel in which this guy who's fleeing Lubbock um, comes across an old man on the back roads of Texas because um, he's laying low and taking the back roads. He's not on any of the highways. And this old man who's dressed in what looks like a diaper and carrying his pitchfork who claims to be Poseidon, king of all the seas. And so, um, and so I did a lot of background research on Poseidon and stuff for that novel. So hmm. I augmented my childhood upbringing with my adult learning in order to, because you have to do, when you do those kind of period things, because the novel goes back and forth between the present, they're on the, the road together, fleeing, this guy's fleeing Lubbock, and, um, and then to pass the time, Poseidon is telling him his life story. 
So it's kind of it's kind of a cool thing. And I also get to twist some of the detail a little bit and get in the nitty-gritty behind the scenes of what was really going on between Poseidon and Zeus, Poseidon and Hera and all those people. So anyway, I can tell you two are so excited. Neither one of them are, the audience should know neither one of them are looking at me. They're down looking at their computers. They could <laughs> care they could not care less what I'm talking about. We're listening right. intently. Actually Walter's falling asleep. Yeah. So I know Walter's. I'm going to poke him with a pen. Okay. Wait, so anyway, that? so our topic is the Atlas Complex today, and we'll get into that later. And um, remember that during the show, there is the SLA challenge question, which I'll give in a few minutes. And as usual, the first person to get a call in to Dustin with the correct answer will win a prize. No book anymore. We're done with the book series. So your Aww, name does not go in a hat so now. Sad. We didn't even get one, did we? Yeah, no, we no, never well, did. Keep saying. Maybe for Christmas, you'll get one of <gasps> those stockings. Oh, my God. I don't have a So everybody out there, keep your Can cell you phones close by. Uh, yeah, course. yeah, yeah. Don't talk over me while I'm trying to tell the audience something. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So everybody out there, keep your phone, your cell phones close by. Um, so you can call in and tell Dustin that you have the answer to the SLA challenge question. And the same for a diva challenge question. Oh, I got the best diva challenge question today. Ooh, nice. I'll, read that, one? I'll read that question at some point. Walter, you might even know the answer to this one. Um, I'll read the question at some point, and you'll have to do the same thing as the SLA challenge question. Pick up the phone, call Dustin, and say, hey, I got the Eva. To, uh, the Eva. I got the answer to the diva. <laughs> question. I so, got the Eva. I got the Eva, right? I'm a, the Eva of a Eva Eva Wally Eva. Oh, wait, sorry. Wow, okay, he is tired. This, okay. Wow, I don't the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Again, who's on the phone, Angelica, waiting for the call? Dustin, the muscle man. There we go. Angelica, of course, will be looking at Mixler to see what issues come up. But again, we want you to call in. And you don't have to talk about the Atlas Complex. I'm going to talk about it a little bit to clarify a few issues. You can call in and ask anything you want. And we take any and all questions. Um, it doesn't make any difference. So feel free to call in with anything you have. Again, the phone number is 517-884-4321. Okay, gang, have I done all the intro? Am I done with all the intro yes, stuff? Yes, sir. Can I move on? Topic. Can I move on now? Please. Can I move on now? I'm not going to do topic. I think I got to do the SLA question next, don't I? You're the boss. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. I guess I could, right? I guess I could. And the first thing I'm going to do is fire a few people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not anybody in this group. Not anybody in this group. There was nobody in this group that's leaving. Either on this side of the wall or this side of the wall. We're all here together for the, all eternity. Just like Titan. Holding up the, uh, the ceiling. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and give the SLA. Why, Walter, why are you looking at me? I'm so confused. You just said Titan was holding up the ceiling. I thought it was Atlas holding up the but earth. But he was a Titan. Atlas, Atlas was a Titan. I said, we'll be Titans holding up the ceiling. Oh, I thought you said Titan was holding up the ceiling. I was like, <laughs> what? I think you need to tighten your like, brain is what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So let me give everybody the SLA challenge question now. And this is a short one. Ready for this? Here we go. Get your pencils ready, kids. Comprehended input can be considered which of the following? A, intake, B, mental representation, C, noise. Again, comprehended input can be considered which of the following? A, intake, B, mental representation, C, noise. Call in with that answer and you can win a prize. Walter, you know the answer to that? I did know the answer to it, yes. And I, know I mean, I do. Is. Yes, did and do. Not because you're looking over my shoulder at my cheat sheets, are you? Nope. All right. I just want to make sure. 
I got one right. Yay. Congratulations, my friend. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to send you some coasters, Walter. Okay, here we go. Okay, so we're talking about the Atlas Complex, correct? The Atlas Complex. Have you heard of the Atlas Complex, Walter? Indeed. And Angelica, have you heard of the Atlas Complex? Of course. We have, okay. So that's what we're talking about. So what exactly is the Atlas Complex? Rhetorical question, you two. What is the Atlas Complex? It's a construct that was coined by Finkel and Monk. Love those names. Finkel and Monk back in the 1980s. In fact, I think it was 1983. It was published in a June issue of was it New Trends in Language? No, New Trends in Teaching and Learning. It was not about language. Um, uh, back in 1983, and it refers to a particular type of teacher in a, and I'm going to underscore this, traditional subject matter. So we're talking about teachers or instructors in things like math, history, science, and so on. This teacher or this instructor is one who they characterize as caught in some untenable situation because of what Finkel and Monk call, and I'm going to quote them here, hidden assumptions, hidden expectations, and their own isolating experiences. So we're going to unpack that here in just a second. So when Finkel and Monk launched their ideas, they were focused on classes in which teachers did typical things like provide lectures, ask students questions, and otherwise worked in a non-language subject matter. So think of those big lecture halls where you have 100 students in them and so on. This is the kind of thing they were interested in. They describe, for example, this one guy, they call him Professor A, and he's a guy. They call him Professor A, who delivers this brilliant lecture. He has learned to distill certain ideas, very complex ideas. He can distill them. He adds humor to his class, pacing and timing and other kinds of devices um, just to make his classes come alive, right? So he can give really, really good lectures. So one day when he's finished, he asks the students if there are any questions. And guess what, Angelica? There is silence. 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 So he gives this great lecture. Any questions? And there's silence. <laughs> So to fill the time, what he does is he asks questions he thinks the students should have if they were paying attention, right? Uh, and when they don't address the questions or try to answer them, he answers them himself. Students dutifully take notes. And when class is over, Professor A is filled with mixed emotions, Finkel and Monk say. This professor knows that students probably admire his knowledge and his abilities as a lecturer, but he doesn't believe they feel the power of the theory he was talking about. They don't feel, they don't really get the majesty of what he was talking about. And he asks himself what he can do to get the excitement of the subject matter across to his students. And so Finkel and Monk describe this professor as a classic teacher experiencing the Atlas Complex. And why? Why is it the Atlas Complex? Because this poor professor has unarticulated ideas about what teaching is, unarticulated ideas about what learning is, unarticulated ideas about how students acquire knowledge, and unarticulated ideas about how to assess that knowledge. And what is more, this professor does little on his own to find out anything about those things. And if you think about this, a lot of professors don't take any courses on adult cognition, hmm. how students learn in classes. They don't, we don't get training on those with a PhD. And what you, what's particularly what, they, what Finkel and Monk draw your attention to here is notice how this teacher takes on the role of the student, and that's part of what the Atlas Complex is. The, the professor takes on the role of the student when he asks and answers his own questions. When he thinks students should have questions, rather than just moving along, okay, there are no questions, he decides they should have questions, and when they don't have answers, he answers them for them. So he takes on both the teaching role and the learning role. 
and the students become these little passive things who don't do anything in class. Um, and what is more, as Finkel and Monk talk about, he's working in isolation, even though he's surrounded by colleagues and an entire profession. Why in isolation? Because teaching is one of the last things that people actually talk about in academia in any real way. Um, I think that's probably changed somewhat in 2017, but this is 1983. The problem with the Atlas Complex is that some people misapply what it means to the communicative classroom. This is what I wanna get into today. Uh, there are some people who only know the Atlas Complex in passing or by word of mouth. They think they know what it is, but I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think they do. They think the Atlas Complex is equivalent to the teacher-led classroom. So if you're teacher-led, you're Atlas, and those two are the same thing. Um, this is a misguided, and I'm going to call them misguided people. These misguided people think that when language teachers, for example, do a lot of talking, they are displaying an atlas complex. And what I'd like to suggest to our audience is that if teachers are actively working at providing input, and so doing a lot of talking, and learners are actively engaged with that input, then this is the opposite of the atlas complex. It's not the atlas complex at all. Because this kind of teacher is not working with any hidden assumptions or any hidden expectations, but some very well-defined ideas about what the nature of acquisition is, what the role of the teacher is, and what students can and cannot do at a given point in time. So what I like to remind people of is, is look at your language classroom at the beginning and think about a parent of a one or two-year-old, right? Now, Walter's had kids. Uncle Ellica, you haven't had kids, have you? No. Nope. And I haven't had kids, but I've had... I've raised enough kids. I grew up in a family of 55 cousins. We are their older cousins. We had to raise all the younger wow. ones. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot 55? of I did a lot of diaper changing by the time I was 13 and 14. Wow. So if you look at first language acquisition for a minute, would you call the parent who's doing most of the talking to a one-year-old an atlas person because that person that teacher is doing all the talking? No, because the parent understands that the child can't say anything yet, and the child and the parent understands implicitly that his or her role is to do the talking and to structure the discourse for the child. And the well-informed teacher in the input-rich classroom knows the same thing as the parent. Well, the parent does it intuitively, but the teacher is more is probably more articulated. Um, so, so just because you have a teacher-led classroom that's input-rich does not make you an atlas in the classroom because you're not assuming the role of the student, which Professor A clearly does in his class. Now, the problem of misapplication of the, of the atlas complex is compounded by a number of things. One is the misinterpretation of the output hypothesis, which I don't want to get into, but there is, there's a lot of misinterpretation of what the output hypothesis is. It does not mean, for example, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean make the students talk. That's not what the output hypothesis really means. And misguided notions that if students are not talking all the time, they are not learning. That's also a common notion. That's, I don't know where that comes from. Well, I do know where it comes from, but we won't talk about that. So in short, what happens is the Atlas Complex gets barred from schools of education and gets wrapped up in one-sided understandings of what communicative language teaching is that are erroneous, right? And this in turn is compounded by what the authors of the original article on the Atlas Complex wanted to accomplish. What Finkel and Monk were out to do, Walter, was the following. You know what they were out to do? They were part of a special issue of a journal for subject matter teaching to get students to share in classroom discourse in that subject matter. That's what they're out to do. You can do that in the L1. You may not be able to do that in the L2. And so you have to be careful how you apply these concepts in the second language thing. Now, Jim and I talked about Atlas Complex in our 95 book and then a little bit again in our 2003 book. I've moved beyond it because I think it's been misapplied and I don't want to contribute to that, that misapplication anymore. But what, it, but what I'm talking about does not mean that a well-meaning teacher 
who is conducting a teacher-led input-based class can't fall victim to Atlas Complex. It's certainly possible that person can. There can be bad input-based classes. Uh, my point is that a teacher-led class is not a priori an indication of an Atlas Complex. A good teacher-led class leaves acquisition in the hands of the students and the students' minds and brains while simply creating optimum environments for this to happen. And now, of course, what optimum means is open to interpretation, right? So what we might have a panel of experts, and some people might disagree with what optimum means, but they're going to be, in general, on board with the idea of an input-rich classroom. But the non-Atlas teacher-led classroom is one in which the informed teacher has a primary objective, providing an input-rich and engaging class, and leaving the rest up to the learner and finding different ways to assess what the learner can do and know and so on. So I'm going to stop there um, because this issue of the Atlas Complex has come up several times to me this semester, and I thought it would be an appropriate topic for the, toward the end of the semester when we got done with the um, book stuff um, because I do see, again, another concept that's misapplied. We want to clarify that. All right. <clears throat> we are, oh, my God, we already have a caller on the phone. Is there a caller? Tasha, are you on the phone? Yes, I am. Hey, Tasha. Sorry, I had a kind of a long intro there on the Atlas Complex. It looks like you're, where are you calling from? Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Oh, my God. Good thing you're not in Ventura, I tell you. Woo. Mm. Right. We're about seven miles from the Skirball fire, but not oh, on wow. fire yet. Oh. My God, I was watching that the other day at home in Chowchilla it's and awful. looking at, you know, the, they broke, they tried to break the fire line at 101, which is a six-lane freeway there. Mm. And it's like the, the fire, the winds were so bad, the fires were jumping 101. Unreal. Anyway, yeah. so anyway, Tasha, uh, what are you calling about? The SLA challenge question? Yes. All right. Well, let me repeat that for our mm -hmm. audience, and then you can answer it. So here it goes. Comprehended input can be considered which of the following? Intake, mental representation, or noise? What say you, Tasha? It is intake. Ding, 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 Excellent. ding, ding. Yes. Of those three answers, that is the best and correct one, yes. So in, intake is defined as that part of the input that learners actually attend to, and if they're in process, and if they're processing it, that means they're comprehending it. So you are correct. Now, did you know that from your own background, or did you look that up? Actually, my school has been closed this week because of the fires, and so I was watching on Fluency Matters, I was watching the free keynote address that you gave, I think at Axel, and you mentioned it then, so it just was fresh in my mind. Excellent. Oh, my wow. gosh. Now I'm, now I'm repeating myself, and I didn't even know I'm repeating myself. <laughs> well, thank you for that plug, Tasha. I didn't even know there was a thing of me online, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Well, you win a prize, and I know you've given your permission to Dustin, so that prize is going to be winging its way to you. And anything else you'd like to say before we uh, let you go for the day? No, just I love you guys. Oh, well, we love you. Thank you for calling in. Enjoy your time off. Stay away from the fires, and thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye, Tasha. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Tasha. Tasha. <laughs> Did I say a little, I hear a little kid go mm, by in the I back? That's so. cute. That's so cute. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good way to get started. We got a winner right off the bat. That's good. Um, I always like to bring that intake up every now and then in different ways so people understand that just because you're providing lots of input doesn't mean learners are getting everything. Learners are in control of the intake, which is what a good, uh, a good um, leecher-led class understands. So people have expectations that not everything they're doing Mix in. Okay, let me do a few things on the Twitter press before I get to the uh, Diva, Diva Challenge question. Um, so Luca asked people out there in Twitterland to tell us your story of overcoming the Atlas Complex as teachers. And should I start off with the best one? 
please. I think yes. Luca put I it first. I would love to hear it. I think Luca put it first because this is from Inga. So tell us your story about becoming the Atlas Complex's teachers. And Inga says, in caps, your amazing show. <laughs> and she says, uh, your amazing show and book have helped me do just that. Each page in your book and each new podcast is the equivalent of a five-pound weight lifted from my shoulders. Isn't that wonderful? She even carried the metaphor through to her answer with, you know, lifting the weight off her shoulders. So good for you, Inga. Um, Chris says, when I acquired TPRS, the burden of feeling I had to force students to speak um, when they were not ready vanished, which is part of the Atlas Complex in language teaching is teachers forcing students to speak and then helping them talk because it's the equivalent of the teacher asking and answering the question because the students can't do something, teacher feels the need to help them do it, um, which just reinforces the student that, hey, I can't do this. Sandro says, since developing the Mulligan mind veil technique, I realized learning feels very different to everybody at different times. <laughs> and I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> but I had, to, I had to read it anyway. Um, and then uh, Laura says, uh, uh, she does hashtag less is more, which of course is one of my mottos. Uh, she says more. Uh, she goes, less is more. In a nutshell, I became selective about what I would assign myself. Um, and so those of you on Twitter, the Twitter feed can see. She's got a website you can go look at there. And then Inga uh, wrote again. So she did two uh, tweets to us. And she says, ways to overcome the Atlas complex, to find that sweet, sweet spot, teacher-led, student-centered, to accept that language acquisition process is out of the teacher's hands, to accept that it's a messy process that we have no control over, to see the wonder in the chaos. That's kind of... Interesting. Mm. There's less chaos than what she realized. I understand what she means by to see the wonder of the chaos. I would say rather than see the wonder and the chaos, I say to see the patterns in the perceived chaos. Because if you look mm. closely, you can see the learning going on. And it's, there's a lot of pattern development back there. But I understand what she's saying. So Inga's going to get a prize. Let's send Inga something because she did two tweets today and they're really good ones. Okay, <laughs> I shouldn't do that because Chris sent three things and it's going to yell at me if I don't. Well, now you said it and she is on Mixler right now and she's excited. So. Oh. Okay, Inga. <laughs> All right, Chris. Chris, don't get mad at me. Chris, you've got things before in the past, I think. So we're going to send Inga something. So, uh, <laughs> so Inga, if you don't want to tweet your address, um, send your address to bbp at gmail.com. Or we're gonna, I'm going to send you a, some coasters or some notepads or something, whatever you got in the back. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to go ahead and read the Diva Challenge question now because it's a good one. Ready for this? Yeah. I'm it's not a, peeking. It's I another short one. It's another short one. See if Walter gets this. I gotta, I gotta wet my lips. Hold on a sec. Uh, Walter, say something while I'm, while I'm taking a sip of water. Something, something, something. Oh something. come on, oh, dude! Jesus, Walter. Okay, never mind. Okay, here we go. Diva challenge question. Everybody ready? Got your pencils? Mariah Carey <laughs> crashed and burned in her film debut. Really? What was the name of this regrettable <laughs> film? <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Right? Mariah Carey crashed. This is true though. Mariah Carey crashed and burned in her film debut. According what, to whom? What was the name of this regrettable film? According to whom? You want to know? Yes. It was a $25 million film that took in $2 million at the box office. <laughs> it has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 2%. What? If you go on Amazon.com, it has a one-star rating. It was uniformly panned by all critics. That's so Even sad. Mariah Carey's fan said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry she did this movie. You want me to go on, Walter? Okay. No. All right. So call them with your answer, and there you go. Let's get back to SLA stuff. Wait, can I ask a question? I want you all to know that I called out Angelica on Twitter this week. 
You called me out? Yes, I said, you know, there's all this talk about how Walter doesn't know the answer to any of oh. these. Yeah, that was unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. I don't think so. Walter yes, doesn't know the answer to any of these questions or have any knowledge of pop culture. But no one ever wonders or asks if Angelica knows the answer I'm to I'm not these a native questions. speaker of English. That absolves me of everything. <laughs> I mean, all of these questions, all of these pop culture questions are American pop culture. I didn't grow I up know. here. I don't know these things. It's true. What Ignorance German star crashed and burned? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I do this. But I always ask, we choose Walter because Walter is, is in his early 30s going on 75. And so. Oh, I'm we, not quite in my early 30s, but. <laughs> I wish I could say I was in my early 30s. Ah, I wish I could say I was in my early 30s. My God. Only not even in dog years. My God. Okay. Um, let's see. How about some uh, email or Mixler questions or comments or what we got going? I've got some email questions if well, you'd like. I would like those, please. Throw them at me, bro. All right. Um, let's see. Let's see. There are a number of them here. So I'm going to go with. Uh, Come on, sorry. Walter. Clock is ticking here. I know, I know. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom soon. This is from oh, Dan. My second bottle of water. Not Dan sitting in the booth, but some other Dan. Uh, and Dan says, or asks, I was wondering if you have any suggestions for a good summative type test for a first year TPRS CI teacher, mainly geared towards level two or three high school. Our school has a finals week, first, first and second semester, so it's expected that we give some sort of assessment. I've mostly done reading comprehension tests over the course of the semester, but this is my first year using TPRS and CI. So I would love to hear your suggestions. There you have it. Well, there's, a, there's some things you can do. You can give them... Um, the, re the reading test is fine. You can do what we do here. One of the one of the techniques we use, um, it's not a test or assessment we use, but you can develop it into end of the year assessment. is a, is a series of three or four um, discourse scrambles that are um, form a story. And if they have acquired language, they should be able to take those scrambled sentences and put them in a logical order to make a story. Um, <clears throat> Of course, there are discourse cues in there. You have to look, be careful how you do that. But that's a, you know, that's a possible thing to do. Um, and those can be geared toward, I think he's saying, trying to get them in the, to see if they can go into level two. Is that what the question was? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he can be doing things that are end of level one, beginning level two type paragraph things to see if they can put those sentences back in order to make a story. Um and then he can also do, um, I mean, a lot of people in TPRS at the end give free writing assessments to see what students can produce um, and uh, not treat it as a final thing like that, but just as a, a check to see how far everybody al is along. Um, and if they're ready to go on level two, and that's the kind of thing I would actually do um, a little bit before the end of the term so that I have time to do some more things after I, if I, after I already look at those. So those are, those are two possibilities right there along with a the reading test. Um, and of course, then there are listening tests he can give. Um, I don't have any off the top of my head, but there are some out there, and he can think about some. Um, and uh, so, because uh, if listening is a if listening is a major component of what's going on in his class, that should not be something that's not tested. It should be part of the assessment because that's an outcome he's expecting. So, I would look at some kind of listening test as well. Um, but concretely, a specific test to name, I can't. 
But those are the areas you should be looking at. Just quest scrambles, uh, keep up with the reading tests, um, some listening tests, and you can also do some free writing. All right, Dan, there you have your answer. Thank you, Dan. That was a good question. Kind of tied in what we're doing too, because because in an Atlas class, you would see if they can give you back what you've given them. That's what the Atlas teacher does. But an Atlas teacher doesn't do that. Atlas teacher says, "Let's just see where you are," because you're. I'm assessing our overall progress and where we are, as opposed to you as an individual and giving you a grade based on what you can spit back to me. So, um, so those are all good non-Atlas ways of looking at at assessment. You could do portfolios too. Maybe students can come up with an idea. Does anybody ever ask students how they think they should be assessed? Hmm. Probably not. Yeah, Chad, you're, I'm, I'm looking at Chad to the booth. He's, Chad's a graduate student. Have you ever been asked how you'd like to be assessed? Yeah, because Chad was a student of mine. I never asked them that. But I did this semester. I asked them how they'd like to fix their front. I didn't quite ask them. I said, we have these choices. Which ones do you prefer? And they, they gave me their preferences. Um, but we seldom do that. How would you like to be assessed? Because we all have strengths and weaknesses in how we perform on things, right? So mm-hmm. there could actually be individualized things too, Dan. So if you ask students, how would you like to be assessed? What do you think is fair? What do you think works? Students sometimes have ideas, believe it or not. <laughs> Imagine that. I would give them it as a homework assignment to tell my students, okay, everybody has to come back tomorrow with one idea about how to be assessed in this class. Come back with that. It's your assignment. And if you don't have it, I'm going to give you a zero for your homework. <laughs> Then they'll come back with some ideas. All right. Okay. Anything on Mixler? Anything? I think there's a phone call coming through soon. So let's take another question real quick before the phone call okay, comes Okay. So through. Zach is asking. It appears. Hey, Zach. It appears that misunderstanding the Atlas complex has historically led to some misguided applications of CLT and a misinterpretation of what's a quote unquote student centered classroom. Can attempts to avoid an Atlas classroom help explain why some individuals continue to resist incorporating teacher-led CI into the communica- communicative language classroom? Absolutely. In fact, I've heard recently uh, of a case, some cases, actually several cases, in which um, different people were told, because I think they read it in Jim's in my book from 2003 or 1995, that they were being Atlas in their classroom because they were doing a lot of teacher-led input-based stuff. And again... Um, the problem with the student-centered classroom is that's an educational concept from traditional subject matter that gets misapplied and incorporated into language classes as opposed to a learning-centered, acquisition-centered classroom. I hope everybody hears that difference, a student-centered versus an acquisition-centered classroom. Um, And so what, what... a lot of people incorporate input in their classroom. Our understanding is that I want to make my classroom acquisition-centered. There's only a handful of ways to do that. And that means the teacher's doing a lot of work because the teacher is the major source of input. Not the only source, but the major, one of the major sources of input. So uh, we've got to move away from the idea of student-centered. I think, I think student-centered is not the best concept to use for language teaching. I think we need to start pushing an idea of acquisition-centered and learner-centered. Learner is better than student because learner talks about learning and implies acquisition, I think. So either learning-centered or or acquisition-centered classroom. Okay, we have a caller coming in on the line. Francis, are you on the phone? Francisco, not Francis. Oh, okay, Francisco, okay. They put Francis. Francisco, andale pues, Francisco. Okay, here we go. So So I just caught the last... uh, yeah, I called a few episodes ago. I um, thought maybe you did. Yeah, so Francisco, what's up? What are you calling about? 
Well, I just caught the last uh, the last few uh, few minutes of what you were saying, and I think uh, I was so I'm wondering, uh, thinking about these student-centered or learner-centered approach um, for for instructors to think about what information they give their students, so that students on their own can, you know, apart from any classwork, et cetera, um, continue to to acquire language and grow. Um, and also, I think to help spread the message, you asked a few podcasts back, you know, what what can we do? Uh, and I wonder if you've ever considered doing a TED Talk, or if they've rejected you, or if you've considered doing, um, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, some egos are just too big for the stage, but um, there's also something that, uh, <laughs> No, some I mean, stages gotta, are, I mean, you gotta, so some you stages are, of uh, Lake Michigan and Grand Canyon combined, but, <laughs> but uh, there's also something called the Big Think, they have these videos you can find online, they have, you know, people who are experts in different topics, do like a 10 minute video talking about some aspect of their topic. Um, and then I have uh, this next, just a kind of a challenge directed to Angelica, 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 excuse me. Thank you, well so done. So a few podcasts back Francis. she had with Great Umbridge, uh, Great Umbridge and Outraged talk about people using the word entitled to mean to yes. get a title to something. Yes. And I'm wondering if you still, are you willing to die in that hill? Are you still holding yeah. firm to that position? Absolutely. Okay. Then here's the question. Will you accept my challenge? Yeah. To prove you're wrong. If I'm wrong, I will send in a $50 money order to the show, <laughs> to you, payable to you. You can use it any way you want. If you wow. turn out to be wrong, then you have to sing on air either. You get, you get to choose. You either sing the lyrics to uh, Ode to Joy, Los um, Balloons, or anything by Falco. Awesome. It, it's on, man. Okay. Here we go, then. God, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone, Walter. <laughs> I know. I'm so confused uh, right now. <laughs> are you guys friends with the librarians over at the uh, library at Michigan State University? Yes. If not, you should become friends, but go over there to the librarian and ask them for a copy of Webster's Dictionary of English Usage. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, turn to page 401, and you will read in part, in title has two common meanings, to give a title to, title, and to give a right to, Sources as diverse as Emily Post 1927 and Bremer 1980 have expressed disapproval of using entitled to mean titled. However, this well-established usage has been common for over 500 years and is the older, the older of the two sentences. No, but I'm going to. It doesn't gonna, matter anymore. I'm going to intervene here on Angelica's behalf, Francisco, because there are two meanings of title. Whoa! There's title like the, the title <laughs> of something, like the title of a story. Then there's a title like I'm the Lord of sandwich or i'm the earl of something right this one means the title of some kind of work a book a story yeah but the original the 500 word history the 500 meaning history is is entitled in the sense of entitled to nobility so you're walking a gray line there well no the question isn't that other uses are excluded she said that the only correct usage was entitled to mean well but today i'm not talking about what 1927 and 1983 no no this is now all right, I have to intervene here because we're going to be on. I'm going to look ha- that up. We're going to be on the <laughs> show for half an hour talking about this. Go to the library, or get page the book. Page 401. I wrote it down. Okay, but we all ha- we have we have thousands of listeners out there, thousands who know that there's fifty dollars at stake here. So <laughs> what we're going to do, Francisco, <laughs> is we we I'm going to no, I'm I'm not going to shelve this. Don't worry. We're going to put this. We're going to start the show off next week with solving this entitled thing. Okay. I love it. How's that? Yeah, yeah. No, she can start learning those words, Angelica. Uh, you got, yeah. it. Oh, you got okay. it. All right. All right. All right and and you. for your information. I have not been invited to do a TED Talk. So if you want to get me to do a TED Talk, I'd be happy to do a TED Talk. 
Okay. Um, well, you're not if you're a divine diva. It should be a shoe in, right? <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly, right? <laughs> All right, right, take it easy. Okay, thanks Happy a lot, Francisco. Holiday. Okay, Bye-bye. have a great Bye, day. Bye, Francisco. <laughs> that was great. But and the problem with entitled is the word title. Mm. That's the problem. And so I know there are people who nowadays use entitled to mean put a title on something. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm with Angelic on this. I'm a purist on that one word. It does not mean to name something like a novel or a short story. Like when I write a story, I title my story. I don't entitle my story. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So any more? Any more? Walter, read us an email question. I'm going to get off this title thing. <laughs> All right. Even though we're language, so we're not going to debate language. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Give us this. this. Quick, quick. Go. We got a question. Phone coming is in. from Maria in Western North Carolina. Yay, Maria! I'm not sure why. Take a letter, Maria. Maria. Address it to Walter. Go ahead. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, T- Hi, BVP team. I listened on Tuesday to last week's program. This is my question for Bill. I have students who say, je ne, and they leave out the sui, meaning I born instead of I was born. Unless I use scare quotes and say something like Susie says, je suis né, how do I correct through negotiating meaning? All I can respond with is, oh, you were born in Atlanta? That's great. I was born in Chicago. Is that the best I can do? So at least they hear, je suis né à Chicago. I love the training I get every week from you all. Thank you, Maria in Western North Carolina. Hey, Maria. Um, Good question. And yes, that's what you should be doing. You could also have some structured input activities where you could have 10 sentences up there and say, je suis né à, and then a place, and ask them, so like, je suis né à, uh, that goes with famous people, je suis né à Hope, Arkansas. Who could have said that, right? And then the answer is Bill Clinton, right? And then je suis né à somebody else, a famous person. Je suis né à, and they see a bunch of these, je suis né à, and that, that gives them more input in a structured way, visually in front of them, as you go through this guessing game of who could have said that. Um, and then what you do, of course, which is provide interactive feedback. So Walter says, Walter, you do what the student says. In French, so. Je n'ai. Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Ah, où? Je n'ai à Pennsylvania. À Pennsylvania. Ah. Je suis né à San Jose, California. Oh. Mm. I'm different from you. Okay. So and that, that, that's, a, that, that's responding and saying, I'm different from you, but I'm, and I'm providing more input through that interaction without mm-hmm. overtly correcting Walter. And that's, you know, and that, that's, that's what we got to do. But you should also know, Maria, that what your students are doing is not an error. That's a very standard stage in the acquisition of the passé composé in French, is to leave at the early stage you focus on. This happens in Italian, too. What students, learners of, of a second language often do is go through a stage of focusing on the participle as, a, as the indicator of past tense, as opposed to the... the auxiliary, and the participle. So they'll go through a stage of using the participle, and then they'll, they'll, they'll get out of it eventually, uh, sooner than later, usually. Um, so I don't think it's anything to really worry about. It's just a natural stage, and they get out of it. So I wouldn't call it an error because it's a typical stage people go through. All right, good question. We had uh, we have someone on the line, I think. We have a phone call coming through. Is Inga. Inga, are you on the line? I'm good. You're a little scratchy there on your phone, or it's coming through my headphones a little scratchy. Is this the Inga that was uh, uh, that sent all those nice tweets in? Yes, it is. 
I'm great. Great. So what are you calling about? What's up? You're calling from New Jersey, oh, right? Yes, I am. And I, wa- I wanted to thank you again for the amazing book. It w- it's just been tremendous. And I've been going through and I've been highlighting everything. And I've been just really, really going back and rereading. And, um, I, and I know you, you mentioned that you like Mexican food, don't you? Well, I am Mexican, yes. And I do yeah, like Mexican well, food. I want to give you a really good reason to come out to New Jersey because okay. I want to pay you with. Uh, my husband doesn't know this yet, but um, he's the cook, so he's gonna Uh-oh. he's gonna make a really good dinner for you. Okay, you choose what you want. He's he learned from his grandmother. He learned from the best. He's from Mexico. Yeah, so like um, yeah. just to, to thank you for for the amazing uh, gift. Oh well, can I ask you a question, Inga? Yeah. Can you can you repeat the adjective that you use in front of the book? What kind of book is it? It's amazing. <laughs> I just I just had to hear that again. Thank you, Inga. You're so sweet. Wow. You are so sweet for saying that. I mean, I believe it out there in the audience. I do not pay and that Dean Christopher Long if you're listening, I do not pay people to call in and say these things. So, so thank you for doing that. Inga, his head is a lot bigger oh. than it was about 2 minutes ago. Oh, he he didn't need that. Come on now. I'm teasing. I've got you I've mean, got to play the role like, of the diva. You mean like a titan? Yeah. I'm carrying the weight of my head on my shoulders. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Wow. So, Inga, you just calling in to say hi, or do you have a question for us or a comment? I did want to kind of type in on this topic because I feel like it's it's really, there's such a disconnect in our profession Mm -hmm. um, with, I feel like the, the, the system that we're in, as you know, it's like we're square pegs in a round hole with the, the way the evaluation system works right. and the system set up to expect the interaction between the students and uh, or the learners, as we would say. Um, but in a lower level class, it's something that we can't really expect from them if they're, they're not there yet. To, to make it student-centered, uh, teacher-led, and I think it's about getting educators, I'm sorry, educated on the topic, right. on, on, how, on how SLA works. I agree with you wholeheartedly, which is I've dedicated like half of what I've done my entire life um, to talking about that and trying to put things in people's hands, teachers' hands, administrators' hands, other people's hands. I don't always just like to talk to other scholars. And so um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And that's part of why we do this show, too, so we can talk about these things to as wide an audience as possible. So um, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, that's what we got to yeah. do. Yeah. And, and there was one other point I wanted to make. I think that's something that I've, I've been really playing a lot with over the years, and it seems to be definitely a keeper, is uh, starting out with some sort of a pretest, see what they come in with. Mm-hmm. and take that as their point A, and then right. work toward point B. And every kid has their own point A and point B. Maybe it be, say, be a time rate or a speaking sample of some sort, just to see where they're at right. and right. see what they can do already with language coming in. Because I feel like so the benchmarks that exist in our, in our system, they, they're set up to, to expect certain, certain uh, mastery along certain points in time, and that's not how it works. So if they could right. all just be... We could just have them work on their own uh, uh, spectrum. It would be just a lot more reasonable for the kids. 
Yeah, I that I like that idea. I, it's hard to do a completely individualized curriculum, but you can usually see students kind of group themselves, and you can cast a wider net. Um, yeah. And I think that's the problem. I like. I'm going to follow up on something you said earlier, Inga. I think that one of the words we got to get rid of in language teaching, if I can be honest, is the word student. Yes, let's, let's, you were saying that. Let's not call them students. Let's call them learners. Notice that we, you know, know that, and we use the word language learner all the time when we we talk amongst each other. But we don't always do that with our colleagues and our administrators and so on and teachers. They're still called students. And I think we need to keep enforcing that word learner, learner. And we would be the only discipline that did that because nobody would say a history learner or a math learner or a physical ed learner. Those would all be students. And they would continue to be students because it's different. And we want to keep emphasizing our difference from other disciplines. Uh, and why we need a different pedagogy. It's not that we can't teach languages and work with stu- with students, quote unquote, in a classroom. We can. We yeah. just can't do it the way other people do what they do. And that's what we've got to emphasize. So I like I like right. that you called makes, in and said that. Makes so much sense. And we're not teachers. We're facilitators, right? We're yeah. we're language acquisition facilitators. I think that's what we all agreed on. Yeah. As a better term. Yeah. We're the equivalent of. We're the equivalent of parents for a one and two year old, but we're just doing it with adolescents and adults. <laughs> so right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so we're we're waiting for you, New Jersey, to come and have some tacos and tacos al pastor. He is a pastorero, and we'll be happy I'm to have tell you, What's your husband's name? Luis. Luis. Well, tell Luis I'm happy to come and visit that, and I actually will help him cook in the kitchen if he wants. If he wants a sous chef. Awesome. So. Sounds right. like a plan. All right. Great. Well, thanks Thank for calling you in, Inga. So much. Okay. Bye bye. That's a sweet call. What a, what a, she did send in some very, very nice tweets and so that, with some good ideas too. So, All right. Um, okay, I have a question. Okay. Angelica has a question, Walter. Marina. I hope I'm not butchering I the my, pronunciation I have my name. boat Marina. parked in one. No, 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 no. She writes, Hello, BVP Angelica and Walter. I'm so excited to be listening live for the first time. Yay! First of all, Bill, thank you very much for answering my email question several weeks ago. Also, I have a question that has been haunting me for more than a month already. Could you please tell me what the pronounced word, something like fetutzt, means? Bill says it from time to time. I'm curious how it's spelled so I can look it up on a dictionary. Sorry that this is not an SLA question. <laughs> yeah, this is right there with an title. We got, we got language questions today, not SLA questions, which is fine. Fetutzt. Fetutzt is a, a Yiddish term, a Jewish ter- Yiddish term, which kind of means like, I'm so fetutzt about this. It means like I'm kind of upset. I'm a, it's it's doesn't have a, I don't know if it has a direct translation. Some of these words... It's like, yeah, I'm kind of upset about this. I'm puzzled. I'm Isn't puzzled. It puzzled, right? And am yeah. Flummoxed is more like puzzle to me. Fatutzed is like, um, I think it's, I don't know how it's spelled. I spell it F-A-T-U-Z-Z-E-D. Um, <laughs> Luke is typing a bad word on the screen I can't say on the air. I could say it, but, um, but I think it means upset. I think it means like, I'm so fatutzed about this. It means I just don't get it. But not in I'm a confused way. I don't get it in the sense that I'm bothered mm, by it, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Well, there you go, Marina. Now you know. We don't know how to spell it, but now at least you know what it means. So it means, <laughs> fatutz means, fatutz, no, it doesn't. Uh, no, uh, Lucas passing me, F-A-T-O-O-T-S-E-D. No, that's not how you spell it. Yeah, that's how Magister P spelled it, too. It's a, I mean, it's, it's there's. It's, how would you spell it? 
But anyway, that's what fatuts means. So you're not going to answer my question. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't know. That's a word that's said. All right. I think I think it's time for another caller. Do we do we have a caller coming in? Uh, I think we do. All right. I think I know who's on the line. Unless there's more than one Carol from Arizona. Carol, are you on the line? I am, Bill. I'm on the line, and and I am. I'm a little fatuts. <laughs> Carol's a little fatuts. Why? Because you had to wait so long. Is that why you're fatuts? <laughs> well, gee, that's just one of the many reasons. And then I was trying to phonetically sound out your spelling, and I came up with fatuzzed. <laughs> well, that's the great thing. That's the great thing about Yiddish. It's all okay. Like, okay, like, okay. That's I know Luca. Luca's putting up on the screen here fatuts the way they're spelling it online, but that's not how it's. It's not how it's 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 spelled. It's, that's not how it's spelled in Yiddish. That's some English spelling or something. All right, Carol. Okay, Carol. Okay. <laughs> What's on your line? Well, we'll get. All right. So um, I, I'm fatuced about um, about your question. Oh, the, in, the which one? The diva challenge yes. question? Well, let me let me oh, let. Heck, no, I'm in the Walter category on that. You should know that by now. I'm only doing SL, SLA challenge. That's it. That's as far as I go. <laughs> oh. okay. <laughs> So, well, that one was already answered, so you don't get to answer that question. So, well, I have got a question about your question. Uh, about my okay, go ahead. Okay, so you said now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you just want to repeat the question, but you said something to the effect of input that is processed is either A, B, or C: intake, mental representation, or noise. Am I correct on that? I said input that is comprehended. Oh, yes, yes, that's what I meant. Input that is comprehended. Yeah, comprehended and, input, and, yes. Okay, so in my little pea brain, what I comprehended was, well, intake, intake only means that you're processing it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're comprehending it accurately. It yeah, just pro- means pro- that pro- it, processing, in my definition, means comprehension. Processing means you linked meaning and form. Well, so what about mental representation then? Wouldn't so my brain was going to okay, it's got to be mental representation because see now I've processed it and it's comprehended, and so now I have created my own mental representation. Not necessarily because it can be fleeting; it cannot make it into your brain, or a part of it could be penciled in, um, or you have a partial you have a partial thing, or you have no. I mean, just because you comprehend something doesn't mean it makes it into your representation. It means at that particular point in time. You process it or you comprehended it. It could take multiple exposures for it to actually make it in. That's that's okay. That's why that's why mental mental representation actually is talking about a system that's developing or developed, whereas processing is something that happens in a millisecond by millisecond basis and that may make it in or it may not make it in. And you actually can literally comprehend something or make or process connect form and meaning in real time, but then it evaporates. It doesn't go anywhere. Right. So, it doesn't result in acquisition. Okay, right, I get exactly, that. But that. I was, I think I was overthinking it, and um, that really fatuses me. But I appreciate you taking <laughs> my question. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you're fatutsed, and or, or I think you're flummoxed is what you are. Um, but um, yeah, so but that's a good question. We like clarification questions, Carol. That shows our listeners are thinking and digesting, and we appreciate that. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call, Bill. Oh, and just a reminder, Bill, yes. you're on fluencymatters.com. Remember that. <laughs> okay. You have a live you have a live session we recorded and it's on there. Okay, everybody. Now the, 
The private session from the hotel room is not. I just want to clarify. Okay, good. Thank you. Wait, what? Because uh, because <laughs> when I, when I testify in front of Mueller, I want to be able to tell him that no such thing exists. So. Yes. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Have All a great right. day. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, right. Carol. Bye, Bye-bye. Carol. Okay, with that, uh, we, I thought she was calling about the diva question. We have like two minutes, literally two minutes, bef- d- before we d- we can still take time for someone to answer the diva question. Should I repeat it, Walter? Yes, please do. I think do. so. Uh, Angelica says yes. Okay, so Maria Carey, Mariah Carey, excuse me, Mariah Carey crashed. <laughs> Mariah, Mariah Carey crashed and burned in her film debut. What was the name of this regrettable film? There you go. So if you can call in the next minute and get in. I don't think Destin's I've even seen there. the answer on Mixler. What's up with people? Oh, my gosh. This was the worst film. Did you of, see it? I, I made it through like the first 20 oh, minutes. And I went, oh, God. I have not this is back it. in 2001. I was like, talk about being fatutzed. Mm. I was flummoxed. I was, I was, I was, oh, gosh. Beads of sweat were gathering on my mustache at the time. It was, it was bad. Excuse me? Your mustache? You had a mustache? Say what? You had a mustache. <laughs> There's no. pictures of that? I can't grow facial hair. I can't see you with a mustache. I can't either. I can, That's I can, not you. You know how Daniel shaves in the morning and by noon yeah. he looks like Fred Flintstone? Yep. It would take me five days to look like that. <laughs> and I couldn't even, I look like, when I let the hair on my face grow, I look like a, a, a dog on Rogaine. <laughs> I, I just, it, it just, it doesn't, it, it just uh, doesn't look good. So I, I avoid facial hair. Uh, well, now the answers are rolling in a mixer. People, you got to call. That's okay. I, d- I see Dustin on the phone through the glass, so maybe someone's calling with that question. Okay, so uh, we did the Atlas Complex. I think we did a good job with the Atlas Complex today. I'm glad we talked about that because that's been coming up more and more. I hear that from people out in the field. I got a phone call about it recently. I got an email about it. I heard from when I was at a conference a couple of months ago, people said, why am I being told I'm an Atlas and you know this kind of stuff? So. Okay. Oh, good. We got it. We here's our call. Okay, uh, Terry, are you on the line? I am. Hey, is this Terry W? Yes, it is. Hey, Terry W oh, from Ohio, City, Ohio. There you go. Yes. All right, we're gonna make this yes. fast because we're gonna run out of time, Terry. You're calling okay. about the Diva Challenge question, right? I am. So let me say it real quick again for everybody. Mariah Carey crashed and burned in her film debut. What was the name of this regrettable film? It was called Glitter. Hey! Ding, ding, ding. There it is. There you go. All right. Terrible, terrible film. Have you seen it on Gallica? All right, Terry. Thanks a lot. We got to let you go because we're running out of time. Thank you. Thanks, Terry. You're going to get a prize. Thanks. Bye, Terry. Oh, good. I like giving out prizes. Okay. I feel like Oprah. She gets a Buick. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Look under your seat, Terry. There's a Buick. All right. We're going to say our thank yous. We want (laughs) to, as we say goodbye, so long, farewell. Mm-hmm. We want to say first thanks to our technical producer, Daniel Trago, and who's sitting in his seat with him today is our intern, Chad Bosley. So he's running the, the board today, so we thank him for that. Our media producer, Luca Giappone, our talented and trusted hand, handler, caller, call handler and muscle man, Dustin DeFelice. And, of course, who also works with Chad is Ryan Stuck, our other intern. We'd like to thank the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our dean, Christopher Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, we thank all our listeners and people who called in today. So, next week will be our last show of the semester that will be on a hiatus until early January. So, stay tuned for our topic. We'll announce that on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody, and happy acquisition to all. Say goodbye. Bis nächste Woche. Schöne Restwoche. Goodbye, everybody.
And don't forget your difference between a pear tree and a peach tree, Walter. Wow. What is the difference? Peaches have fuzz on them. <laughs> Pears don't have fuzz. Well, one produces pears and one produces peaches. <laughs> one has two fruits. That's a pear tree. Get it? Ah. Two fruits. Oh. <laughs> it's quite apparent that. Bye, everybody. Crazy.